You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Friday. I'm way off center here. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And it's kind of quiet. It's kind of a quiet before the storm to some degree here, uh, because next week Michigan goes on its spring game. Not spring, sorry, not spring game, spring vacation. We are several weeks removed from the spring game. Um, we got the NFL draft coming up next week as well, coinciding exactly with the Michigan travel of it all. So it'll be interesting to see how that all, how we make all of that unfold or, you know, get all of that in order. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, we do have a couple of things to talk about. I want to get to KRT at Farmer 84. He had asked a question, but he did while. I was uh, already recording the the podcast, so we'll get to to his question. We'll we'll expand it a little bit. Um, we're also going to get to. Uh, I I don't think we really covered much on the in the game by game FPI uh, for Michigan, um, but we'll start off with uh, something that Reese Davis said on the uh, ESPN College Game Day podcast. So if if you recalled earlier in the week, Michigan did not get a lot of love in the advanced analytics, which it's kind of like what else is new, right? Because last year it was the same deal. Michigan was seventh this year. They're sixth. And it kind of seemed like, why is Michigan not getting any love? And at least last year it's, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, they're losing Aiden Hutchinson and they're losing David Ajabo and whatever. And so that that made some sense. Whereas this year, it doesn't make a lot of sense because clearly they're not as much as they say what they're waiting and things like that. And some have pointed out like, oh, it's some of it's the the offseason, postseason stuff and whatever. And I mean, that shouldn't carry all the weight in the world, but it still just makes no sense whatsoever, no matter how you spin it, that it would say LSU and Texas, particularly Texas, looks like it's in a more advantageous uh, situation this year than Michigan. Texas certainly could be in terms of being in the Big 12 still. That doesn't seem like it's it has an obvious winner. Oklahoma really fell off last year. Uh, TCU loses a lot of components. Uh, Kansas State certainly looks like they could potentially be that team as well. But at least it, it makes a little bit of sense, but it doesn't make any sense um, either. But at least like some 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 logic prevails here. So Reese Davis uh, goes on the podcast and, and he, he posted this video. I don't know if there's more to it because I didn't go and look at the podcast, but this is what he said. He said, Michigan has a proven quarterback that I think is going to improve greatly this year. They've got the best cornerback in America in Will Johnson. That's some pretty high praise right there. They've got some transfers on both lines of scrimmage, including a pass rusher that should show up some of the things that they've lost. They've done a really good job in the transfer portal the last couple of years, particularly on the lines of scrimmage. They've got their running backs coming back, a couple of wide receivers that might be even bigger threats, and a transfer tight end from Indiana, I believe. I think if I had to fill out the ballot right now based on what I know, you know, the type of possession uh, production I know I'm going to get, I think I'd put Michigan number one. That's pretty high from Reese Davis because I've looked at the AP ballots because he does have an AP vote, 
And it seems like Michigan's often lagged in his AP ballots, right? Like when a lot, you know, everyone else was putting Michigan at like number four or something like last year, he had them more like at number six. Uh, I've always noticed that he's always kind of lagging behind the rest. But what he is saying is exactly kind of what I have believed when it comes to all this. Now, I'd still give Georgia the benefit of the doubt, even despite all of their personnel losses, because they've kind of built into a powerhouse. You know, it's been... I, listen, I'm the, I'm the last person, despite be, you know Georgia being kind of like my number two team growing up when it comes to, to college football, uh, despite me, you know, still having... A, I have a weird affinity for Georgia in some ways, and then in other ways, I also hate them, right? Because for years... Georgia was the most talented team in college football and couldn't even get like to the SEC championship game most of the time. Right. And yet they were always receiving all of this love, kind of the same way that Penn State has or, you know, sometimes Wisconsin or North Carolina, Texas, some of these others. So uh, I've always been really hard on Georgia. I'm taking the opposite approach now because when you're the two time defending national champion, uh, you, you deserve some benefit of the doubt, right? And uh, I, so I think Georgia does deserve that. But they're not even considered number one in FBI. They're considered number three behind Ohio State and Alabama, which, again, kind of baffles me. Uh, but, again, returning production, it, we've talked about it so much here. It, it, it's, to me, it's the most important thing uh, of, of anything is having a, a team full of guys who have done it before. And when you listen to what Jesse Minter had talked about, like, you know, a guy like Ernest Houseman, like he's played in the big house. You know, you can trust him because even though he was with another team, you know what he's like when the, the lights are on. It, that, that's really important because, and there, there's a reason why not every five-star pans out or four-star and why sometimes three-stars far excel, right? Like why, when you look at even with Michigan, uh, guys like Hassan Haskins or Quiddy Pay, why they have turned out to be really good players, it, it's it, because it's not an exact science. Some guys peak in high school, you know, some guys are Trip McNeely. Some guys uh, end up being, uh, fi- finding that extra gear and doing better, uh, developing more and figuring things out the more that things go on. And so when you have a group of guys that can get, have beaten Ohio State, just ran them right off the field, and they did it without Blake Corum. When you, so what you, you have a, a group of guys that know what it's like to at least get to the college football playoff, and then you bring the majority of them back, it only stands to reason that it, that would be a team that you would have a lot of confidence in. I can't say that if, like, if I was an Ohio State fan, I, I, I think I would be living kind of a little bit more in a hopeful type of situation because you don't know what their quarterback is going to do. And I know FBI sat there and said, okay, well, they, they've got Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, Mayan Williams, and, and uh, Travion Henderson. And that, that's a lot of talent. But the most important position on the field, you don't know what they have. With Michigan, you know that JJ is at least good enough to get you there. So it's, the question is, does he take a step forward? Does he take a step backward? Um, I have more thoughts. So let's, I guess I can continue because my only other thought here really is uh, they've got the best cornerback in America and Will Johnson. That's, that's just such effusive praise. I guess the question is, I mean, 
it, is he number one? Because, I mean, it's very limited sample size. Certainly he has the look of being that. But what corners would you necessarily take over him? I guess is, is when I started looking at that, it's like, that feels like maybe a little too soon, but that feels pretty good, right? <laughs> but that, I, I don't know 100% that, I, that I'm, I'm there. But, I mean, that's, that's about as good of praise as you're going to get, especially from, uh, from Reese Davis. So uh, that's uh, pretty solid. So let's get to um, let's get to KRT at Farmer's question. We'll expand upon it a little bit in order to uh, to fill it out, and then we'll go from there. We'll see where we go. I think that's where where we're at this gloomy, cold, wet Friday. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April twenty second. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars. Head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKDOWN15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. All right. Uh, I clicked on the absolute wrong thing. Here we go. So KRT at Farmer 84, part of the leaders and best on our Michigan mailbag, got his question in while I was recording yesterday. So uh, he did not make the list because I'm not going off of the uh, off of the. I'm not sitting there refreshing Twitter. It's it all goes into a Word document and and that's how things get in order and how I don't miss things. Uh, but uh, that does mean that sometimes we're gonna miss things for other reasons like that. So he asked, what do you think are the biggest improvements we'll see from JJ this year? So we'll start with JJ and then I'll, I'll expand where I think maybe each position group and different players can get better. And maybe that'll take us to the end. So we'll, we'll that's where we'll go. Um, so as far as JJ is concerned, um, it's what what I think that he'll will, the the biggest area of improvement is consistency, because at the beginning of the year, it the, you know he was able to throw those deep bombs with accuracy. I mean he was just incredibly accurate, right? Like he threw for what like ninety five percent in the first three games or something like that. He was like three for three, four for four, and then I think he missed like one one pass in the UConn game or something like that. It was like an insane. Uh, hit rate but then Michigan went very run heavy and then when they started asking him to throw again particularly that Rutgers game it just didn't seem like it was all kind of put together right um, because he, he looked really good in the Iowa game he looked really good in the Indiana game uh, Maryland was a little bit uh, a little bit iffier but again that's a step up in defense people are going to get a little bit more in the scouting report understanding a little bit more uh, about what you're about, right? So I think part of it is being able to to identify and throw an accurate strike when when you absolutely need to. I think that's a big part of what JJ needs to do. Um, and certainly he's capable of it because we've seen it. But again, the, the competition steps up. And then you have games like Ohio State where he really balled out, you know? Um, I think that uh, another area where he can improve is uh figuring out when to keep and when to when to uh when to give on the zone read type plays 
because there there did still seem to be Michigan's long had this issue where it seems like for whatever reason the quarterback gets really confused as far as that's concerned. And I hope Michigan does use it as an opportunity with his legs as an opportunity uh, more so this year. I'm not saying he needs to be Tim Tebow or you know Lamar Jackson and run constantly. But I, I would like to see that as a that as an added threat because that was one of the things in particular that opposing coaches early in the season last year were always talking about. I'm I'm pretty sure Jim Mora was among them. I remember you know it's like what you know what's the issue with JJ? It's like well you have to respect his legs. And by the end of the year, it didn't really feel like that was necessarily a big thing. Now there were moments where it would, but it was no more than hey the play broke down and now he's doing something rather than. It being of by design. Some of that might have been Cade not being in, but I, I do want to see Michigan kind of take more advantage of him. So that's more of a, a Michigan offense improvement than a JJ improvement. But also, if they do have a situation where it is by design and he could give or keep, I'd like to see him make the right decisions there. And th- those are the types of things that you get better with as you mature as well, right? So uh, I, I think that that's a, another big part. And then Probably the biggest part that we learned from the TCU game is not putting the ball in harm's way. And uh, sometimes he's going to make some of those crazy throws and you're going to live with, you're going to live with some of those, right? Like the, the Blake Corum against Penn state throw. Uh, it was like, all right, that was amazing. Don't do that again. And then, you know, you have the fluky play not too long after um, the pick six. So you live with some of those, but you, you know, in, in some of the bigger moments, uh, you, you ne- don't necessarily want to get a, try to get away with them because you're not always going to. Uh, against Purdue, it worked out, right? He had a couple plays against Purdue. It was like, ooh, I wouldn't advise that. Didn't work out against TCU. And you don't want to be finding yourself in either of those types of games making those types of mistakes, right? So I think just decision-making, uh, accuracy, I think he can make those improvements, um, and certainly we saw even in the spring game, like it, it didn't look sharp at the beginning. And then he went, uh, was it six for seven or seven for eight, uh, after that and, uh, finished with, uh, going seven for 10 overall. So it, it's one of those things where you saw him get better as the game went on, which is important. And that's one of the things that everyone always says about him. Uh, as far as running back is concerned, I don't know how you can get Blake Corum to be better than he already was last year. So I'll kind of bypass him to some degree and I'll, I'll talk about Donovan Edwards who uh, I think he just needs to be able to more consistently able to grind out yards because uh, while it was very like, like I said didn't Josh Newkirk on the sidelines of the Ohio State game because uh, he, he was lamenting he's like they keep on giving it to Donovan he's not breaking anything it's like because that's how Donovan Edwards works right you give him the ball no gain no gain three yards two yards no gain two yards four yards, six yards, eight yards, 20 yards, 50 yards. This is kind of how Donovan Edwards operates. I'd like to see him have that same kind of, because that's kind of how Blake Corum was uh, in 2021. I'd like to see Donovan Edwards find a way to, to, to be able to grind out yards in the same way that Blake learned to. Because it, we take for granted what Blake Corum was able to do while he was out there last year, but that is not... You know, like we, we talked about him, you know, and versus Hassan Haskins. And it was like, well, Hassan Haskins falls forward. You need three yards. He's going to get you four. Blake Corum became the same player. So I like to see the same thing of Donovan Edwards. Uh, it, it clearly, Mike Hart helped him, helped Blake get to that point. I'd like to see uh, the same thing happen with Donovan. 
uh, wide receiver. Uh, Got to find consistency in getting open and being able to come down with catches. Cornelius Johnson, incredibly streaky, right? Like he needs to play like he did in the Ohio State game or the second half of the Indiana game all the time. It can't be uh, disappears for long stretches and then and then has like an incredible game. He has that capability. We've seen him be able to make tough catches, but there are also times where it's just like the ball hits him in the hands and it's just it, it doesn't come up with it. That's been my long gripe with with him. Uh, Roman Wilson needs to just stay healthy and be consistent that way because it, it, he's got all the promise in the world and, and we just need to see him step up in that way. The rest are kind of virtual unknowns, but they just need to step it up. Uh, offensive line, biggest improvement. Um, I would say being able to just kind of stay in there when things break down. Uh, not that it was ever really that bad. It was a little bit more early in the season where it kind of looked like uh, it maybe didn't uh, wasn't that cohesive at moments. You wondered if they were going to be able to repeat the success of uh, 2021, and then by the end of the year, they were. Uh, there are also times where I'd like to see them uh, like they, they weren't able to grind things out the way that then wear down TCU the same way. So I'd like to see if they see something different, just being able to continue to be themselves tight. And um, I don't I don't know that I have anything there, but let's uh, let's go to the defense side of the ball. Biggest areas of improvement uh, moving forward on the defensive side of the ball. Let's do that here momentarily. I'll tell you what, if you're in Michigan, Southeast Michigan, this is definitely curl up and take a nap type of weather. I don't have that luxury today. I've got, I've got everything out of the storage unit yesterday in Ann Arbor. So that's, I have officially moved out of Ann Arbor, but now everything's either in my garage or just in boxes everywhere. On the other side of the camera and the computer, there is just a mountain of boxes. Need to get some of that taken care of today with uh, Sarah coming over tonight, best friend coming over tomorrow. So. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't want to call it a quality problem. It's just a problem. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, uh, defensively, biggest improvements that I, I think we could see out of each position group. Uh, I think it, it's obvious uh, on the interior defensive line, and it's what they're working on, which is finding a way to get more of an interior pass rush going or just a pass rush in general. They were awesome at at run defense last year. They seem keen that they'll be able to do the same thing again this year, uh, but they need to be able to to get some pressure from the interior. Exterior, uh, I I think it's just the the biggest area of improvement is figuring out who all those guys are going to be and being able to, to get home because you lose your two top pass rushers from the edge. Uh, Jalen Harrell obviously is back. Uh, they really were singing his praises all spring. Jesse Minter, uh, even more so recently, and then um, and then just getting uh, Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart all up to to speed there. Linebacker being instinctive and making plays, and that kind of starts with Junior Colson, who had that look as a freshman. Uh, sometimes looked locked, lost in the soup last year, but overall uh, good. But it's it's if if they can just have a nose for the football, and then it's just figuring out how to work out the depth piece because 
you know, Nikai Hill Green, they're kind of waiting for him to uh, to take a step forward now that he's back after a year off. Um, how does Ernest Hausman fit in? Jimmy Rolder needs to kind of get over his, you know, those those freshman woes that you have. And um, I'm, I'm, and Michael Barrett just needs to continue the ascension. But just having a nose for the football and uh, that type of thing, I think, is is key. Being able to, to do well, you know, against the run, dropping in coverage. And uh, I mean, we kind of saw the, the horror show happen against TCU. And you hope that that doesn't uh, persist, obviously, if other teams look at the tape and say, hey, maybe we can do some of those things and replicate it. Uh, I don't really have a note for the safeties. I think they, they were pretty solid last year. So just continue doing what you're doing. Um, as far as the, the, the corners, I just want to see more lockdown. Will Johnson obviously was incredible, uh, in the, uh, the six games that we got to see like a big part of his game, who's going to be opposite him, right? It, it's just, I want to see more lockdown because that's what kind of what we we were used to seeing, uh, out of the Jordan Lewis Channing Stribling duo or David Long and, and Levert Hill, uh, is just that, that ability to kind of take away the pass. And it always works in tandem, right? That the defensive front and the secondary, because if you can get a coverage sack, then you might get a real sack. If you flush the quarterback out of the pocket, he's not going to be able to hit downfield. Those things work in tandem. And I really want to see that happen a little bit more, I think, this year compared to what we've maybe seen uh, the last two years. Because I, I think that the, the in 2021, I think Aiden and, and David really helped out the the back end and then I think they, they kind of were more, it was the back end helped out the front end a little bit more last year. And then it's just a question of, can they both kind of be on that same page where they both play in concert with each other? Cause just think about 2016 or even 2018, just how that, that worked. It just, you had faith, especially in 2016, if it was third and long, you knew what was coming right in 2016, you knew it was a sack third and long. It was hundred percent going to be a sack. And that's not just solely due to, to Chris Wormley and Taco Charlton in, in large part is because that quarterback, it was going to have nowhere to go. Thanks to the, just the defensive backs. You can include Jabril peppers in there as a hybrid linebacker. I want to see that type of, you know, co cohesion between the back end and the front end work together in the same way. Cause I think it certainly has the capability of doing so. But I think the big question is who's going to be that other cornerback. Uh, we don't know. All right. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Monday. Next week's going to be an interesting one, right? Because uh, Thursday I'll be making my way uh, to follow the team. Uh, and uh, we'll probably, pre I don't know if we'll pre-record a mailbag or w what we'll do. Um, we'll, we'll figure that out Friday. Uh, that might be a pre-record as well. And then we'll just try to figure out how to handle um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as that comes. Because that's going to be a little bit different being on the road. Because it's not going to be like, uh, it's not like a bowl game or anything like that. Where there's like a set amount of time where I can sit there and say, all right, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time to the podcast. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace.